0: Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, The sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown, Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown, Crosstalk, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked to be here with you today. Today, one week removed from our last show yesterday or last week. That means we are one week into the Major League Baseball season. Every single team in the league has won a baseball game. I'm pretty sure. Almost positive every team in the league has won a game. And every team in the league has lost a game except for one. The only team that remains unbeaten in Major League Baseball is the Tampa Bay Rays, who are a magnificent, undisputed 6-0. Skokes, what's going on, my man? Good to have you in here with us. Today's a pretty big show. We are expecting to welcome in, pending no issues, you know, friend of the program, been on a time or two on the Barroom Network in general, David Kaplan of ESPN 1000, formerly of NBC Sports Chicago. I know plenty of Cubs fans have some intricate memories with David Kaplan being on their TV and their radio. So hopefully we're able to get him in here today. We're trying to work around some technical difficulties. So that's been a thing today, but I'm here with you no matter what. I'm here to talk baseball with you no matter what. You got something to say in the chat. Throw it in the chat. I will respond to it and react to it. Um, Very excited about what's going on in baseball other than what's going on in this horrid, horrid, horrid game right now between the Chicago White Sox and the San Francisco Giants. The Giants come into this game with a record of two and three. The White Sox come into this game with a record of three and three. And the Giants absolutely pooped all over the ball that Lance Lynn was throwing today. And it kind of looked exactly like that first game against the Giants where Michael Kopeck was just getting tattooed and you wondered whether or not he was tipping his pitches and whatnot. Well, Lance Lynn, same thing. The Giants have 12 home runs in this series. Absolutely unbelievable. Mr. Shorty says, go Cubs. We will get to them in just a minute. Um, plans to actually get to them a lot. Um, in the 45 minutes to an hour that we're going to be here today with you here on the Barroom network. Um, Skylar says, I'll be seeing Raisin Astros in person later this month should be a good one. There's no doubt the Houston Astros odd start for them. Very odd start for the Houston Astros. Wasn't kind of expecting that kind of start. I know the white Sox took two out of four against them and then the Detroit Tigers took two out of three against them. So the Tigers are, or the Astros are three and four starting off the season. And they're supposed to be the team that runs away with the AL West. And then there's the Seattle Mariners who are supposed to come in second and, you know, win the wild card by a pretty wide margin or, and even compete with the Astros for the top of the division. They're two and five. So there are a couple uh Seattle Mariners fans up in arms over how the season has started for them. But we see this all the time where the Los Angeles Angels start off nice and hot. They got a bunch of stars on their team, don't they? Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. Yeah, they start off like that every single year, and then guess what? They end up going way downhill every time. Every time. And as a baseball guy, love baseball, played it for 15 years in organized leagues, throughout high school, never really missed a beat with baseball in my life. I think I speak for all of us people that are diehards like that in saying I hope the Angels make the playoffs this year. I hope I'm wrong in my prediction that this hot start will really, really cool off and they'll end up coming in third place at most. You saw Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in the World Baseball Classic. That was awesome. That was absolutely unbelievable. Imagine watching these guys in a Major League Baseball postseason in Los Angeles where it's a little nice weather there in October, and then they got to go on the road and maybe play the Yankees or something in the ALCS. Wouldn't that be cool? watching Shohei Otani play on the big stage, play on the Bronx in the playoffs. That would be awesome. And I honestly think it's like borderline foolish to not root for something like that. And I don't know. I'm very excited about, you know, what this league has started off doing so far. I think the AL East is an absolute juggernaut. I mean, the Boston Red Sox, they're three and four. Huge win today over the Detroit Tigers. They went down early. Chris Sale didn't look like he had his stuff. And then they came all the way back and got it done. Raphael Devers, Rathy two scoops. Rathy two scoops. Lots of big hits from him so far this season. You wondered if the Red Sox were actually going to pay him during the offseason. They let Mookie Betts go for a, in a horrible trade to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The return they got on that turned out to be piss poor. And then Rapha, or Xander Bogarts goes to the San Diego Padres in free agency. They don't even get anything for that guy. I just... I am dumbfounded by what Bloom has kind of done to that team. But going back to the Angels, Skyler says, please let the Angels make the playoffs this year. Please let the Angels make the playoffs this year. We want Otani. We want Trout. Anthony Rendon suspended for five games because he couldn't keep his cool with a fan that called him a little bitch. You know how many times I've been called a little bitch? You guys call me that online half the time. Do I grab people by their by their chest of their shirt and say, come, call me a little bitch. Then he probably went to the locker room and cried about it. Anthony Rendon, soft, soft baseball player. Didn't know he was that soft. I actually kind of like Anthony Rendon. I think he's a really good player. And the angels could, you know, become a powerhouse as long as he's there as their like third or fourth best hitter Well, you're getting suspended because you let an A's fan get to you. You let one of the 12 A's fans out there get under your skin. Way to go, Anthony Rendon. Don't really understand that. Um, Looking at the AL Central, though, White Sox 3-4. and It's already – I mean, you could say I'm crazy for already looking at the standings. I think you're out of your mind if you're a huge baseball fan and you're not already looking at the standings. Because then we get to like October or August, September, and you're like, well, if we want to make October – you know we're gonna miss by a game or two, or make it by a game or two. Sometimes those games are in April. That game where you gave up a billion home runs to the Giants on April, whatever today is, and you're like, wow. If they were good in that game, we go to the playoffs right now. Or you know that random game in June where you blow a three-run lead in the ninth. That stuff matters. So I think you're out of your mind if you're not looking at the standings already. Detroit Tigers two and five, Kansas City Royals one and six. Kinda. Saw those teams withering away early in the season. Yeah, get to the bottom of the standings already and let the big boys duke it out at the top. But the Cleveland Guardians, man, they lost on opening night and I was making fun of them. I was excited. I was like, I'm not, I'm cheering on every um Cleveland Guardians loss this season. And then they ended up winning five in a row and they lost yet, yeah, or they won four in a row, then lost, then won again last night. I mean Cleveland, Cleveland. They're just Cleveland. They're damn good. The New York Yankees and, you know, a couple other these teams that are going to be competing for a wild card spot if they don't win their division. Um, those are the teams I think the White Sox might have to deal with this season because I don't know if I see Cleveland, like, stopping right now. They, they're just so good. And their their strength of opponent has not been anything to ride home about either, and the White Sox have had the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros, and a very good San Francisco Giants team. I mean, that's no excuse, though. You got to beat who you play. You got to play who you beat. Um and then coming up for the White Sox, they have this Pittsburgh Pirates team that's off to a tremendous start. I mean, rip on the Pirates all you want. They're one of the worst-ran organizations in all of sports. Yeah, you got to play three against them, though. And you're not going to tell me that that's not going to be a difficult series. So hopefully this Pittsburgh Pirates team, they kind of cool down a little bit as they get ready to host the White Sox. I'm not sure. Are they playing today? Today being Thursday, for those listening to the audio version later. No, the Pirates are off today. So they're getting ready to host the White Sox as the White Sox are in the eighth inning, 12-3, getting shellacked by the uh, San Francisco Giants, who, you know, I don't know what to think of the Giants, man. The Giants two years ago were the best team in baseball in the regular season, 107 wins. And then they were the National League version of the White Sox last year you know, came in with huge expectations, this great year, the year before, and then you take a crap and you go 81 and 81. And that's exactly what both the White Sox and the Giants did last year. Um That happens. I mean, and then sometimes teams bounce back. Sometimes teams, you know, they, they keep, down in the dumps. We'll see what happens with the White Sox and the Giants as the season goes along. Here, um, a couple other notes in terms of wins and losses through the first week of the season. My Atlanta Braves, my Atlanta Braves, five and one. Not a bad start. They play again on Thursday night, not long after this show is done recording. Um, the AL or the NL East as a whole, though. Has not necessarily been as much of a dominant powerhouse as I thought they were going to be so far this season. So let's run it down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the Miami Marlins—they're tied with the New York Mets for second place in the division right now. They both started off their seasons three and four. Both of those teams believe they'll be better than they were last year, but that's saying a little bit different of a, that's singing a little bit different of a song for each team. The Miami Marlins weren't very good last year at all. And they're trying to be like, you know, a contender for a wild card spot this season. The Mets, they were a hundred win ball club last year that had aspirations of winning the World Series before it all fell apart in the postseason. And then they go out and they make some moves this offseason. And it just hasn't felt quite right for them so far this season. So they're three and four, I'm sure. You know, despite what the Franks, Frank, the tanks of the world say on Twitter.com and all that. I'm not necessarily too concerned about the New York Mets right now, but I mean, you obviously you don't want to get too far under in the season and ruin any chance of getting where you need to go. So that's how I look at that. And then you got the Philadelphia Phillies who are one and five, and they're tied with the Washington Nationals for last place in the AL NL East. But the Nationals are supposed to be one and five. The Phillies were just in the World Series. What are you guys doing? What's going on with the Phillies? One in five. You've won one game in a week. That can't be right. That's just not how I think their whole season is going to go. So, hopefully, they're able to. Uh, hopefully, they're able to kind of catch some fire again. Because I'll tell you what, and I've had this conversation. I think I've had this conversation with every person I do a podcast with individually. The four best cities for sports, for sports, not other things, sports. Boston, New York, Chicago, Philly. That was awesome, seeing Philly run all the way to the World Series last year. Absolutely unbelievable. And that town, they're kind of mean, kind of a bunch of a-holes there in Philly. Who cares? They cheer on their team. They show up to play. And when their teams do well, they were in the Super Bowl. Okay, the Eagles, those fans, that's one of the four major sports cities that deserves their – their token for being so good. Um, But so far not so good for the Phillies who remember last year under 500 middle of the season, they fired Joe Girardi, they bring in a new interim manager and then all of a sudden they're on his run and they're in the world series. Um, I predicted the Phillies to be in the postseason, and we'll see if that ends up, if they end up, you know, getting out of this rut that they're in to start the season. I will say this, When a team goes in a slump in April, it's always more magnified. Every team in the league goes through a slump, except for the 2022-23 Boston Bruins in the NHL. Every team goes through a slump. I can think of every team in the league in every sport that went through a slump. Whether In football, I think a slump is like winning two or three in a row, probably two if you're like a really elite team. Because, like, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs don't lose two in a row very often. But every team in the league of every sport goes through their definition of a slump. And when it is in the early part of the season, in every sport, but especially baseball because there's 162 and, a, you know, it's the least amount of teams making the postseason of any sport, um, it's magnified just a little bit more. when the One in five looks terrible. But if the Phillies had a one in five stretch in the summer – you know, a uh, July, August type of some months and they're 10 games over and they have a one in five stretch. Nobody cares. It's not headline news that the Phillies stink. <clears throat> Excuse me again. It's going to happen a couple times this show. Um, one in five though, to start the year, that's always going to be a little bit more magnified, especially when you're Philly and sports are everything there. And the Flyers stink. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL. Football season's over, and the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, so everyone's just kind of probably got them on the back burner until the draft. And the 76ers are pretty good. 76ers are actually pretty damn good from what I know. I'm not the biggest basketball diehard in the world, but I'm pretty sure the 76ers are really good. Yo, Travis, what's going on? Um, I think Joel Embiid is going to win MVP. If we got basketball people in the chat and you want to correct me on that, Um, so I guess Philly is kind of, the Phillies are kind of competing with the 76ers a little bit, but I mean, it's the Phillies, man. They were in the world series. Got to get out of that. Then we'll move over to the NL West where I think it's one of the more intriguing divisions of the entire, um, league as well. Kind of like the AL East, the AL West is supposed to be the same. But so far, not so good for some of the teams that we're expecting to be up there. Uh, well, the Dodgers are 4-2. The Los Angeles Dodgers, they didn't do much of the offseason. I know a lot of people got annoyed and mad with the way their offseason went. Um, I particularly wasn't like trying to put myself in the shoes of a of a Dodgers fan because they're going to go for Otani, right? I just don't see a world where the Los Angeles Dodgers – aren't looking for Shohei Otani and that's something that I think could really benefit them is adding a superstar pitcher and a superstar hitter all in one and if they pay him 500 million dollars for 10 years that's cheap that's cheap for the Dodgers one of the richest teams in the league I don't know I I see that as cheap I'm not even kidding because Shohei Otani if he gave up hitting Just said, I'm not hitting anymore. I want to only pitch now. He'd make 300 mil. Easy. And then on the flip side of things, if Shohei Otani said, nah, I don't want to pitch anymore. I think I could hit 60 bombs. But if I pitch, that's going to take some out of me. I want to hit 60 bombs. I'm done pitching. I'm done. As a hitter, he makes 300 shmil. Put that together, you got 600 million dollars. Well, nobody's going to pay him 600 I know I love people who are $750 million. I don't see it for one person. I, I do think it being one person is going to lower the price a little bit because they're not going to give him his pitching value and his hitting value all in one contract. And I don't even think Shohei's necessarily going to be looking for that. But if there's a team out there that can afford it that I think he would consider, it's the Dodgers. Now, he wouldn't have to move, right? I, I don't think he'd have to move. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm – a Southern California geographical expert, but I'm assuming that living in Anaheim where he probably does, you know, are you moving too far? Are you moving a half hour North to go to Los Angeles? I don't know. Maybe certainly possible, but I also don't know where he lives. Could he live dead center of both? I don't know, but I do think of every team to sign with based on convenience. um, It would probably be the Dodgers also. When he first started coming over from Japan and looking at teams, a lot of the teams that intrigued him the most were the teams on the West coast, because that's obviously the closest place to home. And, you know, the, the Dodgers are right there. We, we went over this division already, so I'll just mention them really quick. The fricking Seattle Mariners have to be in the mix too. So I don't really know. I think, I think uh, the Dodgers though, they have the money, they have the resources they, they're gonna try and get this thing done but they're four and two despite not spending much in the offseason preparing to go for otani later um and who knows maybe even if otani and the angels are out of it um i i am not sure that they like keep them they could trade him <clears throat> they could trade otani to whoever you know gives a nice offer i don't know if the Dodgers would trade for him though And I know not trading for him, like, the team that would trade for him gets the advantage because they get to try and sign him and extend him sooner. But, like, the Dodgers, they have all the money, like, they're not giving up assets if they know they can make a competitive offer. Uh, Mr. Shorty says, I'll admit, I didn't think Otani was actually going to be as good as he is. Um, The only reason I did, and I got in plenty of arguments with my bar-down talking hockey co-host Frank Mueller about it early on, he did not think... He did not think he'd pitch. And I thought that was crazy because I think if Otani were to pick one, he'd be pitching. And he just happens to be able to hit 40 bombs a season with a 900 OPS. Um, so to answer your question, Mr. Shorty, yes, I did think that. And I'm not just saying that because he is like, I know it probably kind of sounds like that, but I could like dig up some old tweets. Of me being super fired up about Otani when he was in Japan looking for his team. I wanted the White Sox to get him. I didn't want the Cubs to get him. All the same things that you hear from me about all the players I do think are elite were going on in my head for Otani back then. So, yes, I was on the Otani train. And I also just kind of had a sense of hope that he would um, become this good because it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. Um, Mr. Shorty wonders is Otani a full time batter? Yes. He is, and Otani is a designated hitter four out of every five baseball games, and on the fifth game, he pitches, and there's no DH, or there's a DH rule, so the pitchers don't hit, except there is now what's called the Shohei Otani rule, and a pitcher is, you are allowed to forfeit the DH if you'd like, and the Angels do that every fifth game so that Otani can hit in the games he pitches. And then when he comes out, he can, like, resume playing DH again. And I've, I've seen him grab his glove and play right field, too. So <clears throat> Otani, he does get his, you know, however many plate appearances is considered a full season, like, you know, 500 plate appearances, and he makes 30 starts. I think there are some years he's, like, in the mid-20s for starts, like, They're kind of easy on him, knowing that he does um, also produce offense for him. I know they've run a six-man rotation with him as well, but he's the ace of the staff. He's the best pitcher on the team. He's the best hitter on the team, and he's right there with Mike Trout for the best hitter on the team. So uh, just the value he brings. Let me put – if he came to the Chicago Cubs right now, he would be their opening day starter, their playoff game one starter, because I think if they had Otani, they're a playoff team. And I don't think they're a playoff team right now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and he would be batting third, first, second. However, David Ross wanted to line him up around Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, all those guys. And he, he would be a designated hitter because the National League has. And that's another thing. When Otani came over from Japan, there was no DH in the National League. There's a DH in the National League now. So those teams are all you know, on the table for him in terms of where he's going to go next, if he does decide to leave the Los Angeles angels, um, he's a freak. He is an absolute freak of nature. I've never seen anything like him. And we're honestly a lot uh, lucky to be alive at the same time as this guy. Um, I don't know. I I just, I think the world of him and the, the hype is real. Frankie Mueller didn't think he'd be able to pitch. And then, you know, got rocks when he had tommy john and was out for you know however long and there was the 2020 season he wasn't pitching but he won rookie of the year in 2019 and that might be the most forgotten rookie of the year of all time or was it 2018 it was one of the years when he was a rookie it was that year and you know what's funny about this babe ruth comparison mr shorty And not a lot of people know this either, and you could go to Baseball Reference right now and look it up. Babe Ruth only did what Shohei Otani is doing twice. There were only two seasons where he was a full-time hitter and a full-time pitcher. When he was with the Boston Red Sox, he was exclusively a full-time pitcher. And then he went to the Yankees and he did both for two seasons too. And then the Yankees were like, oh, this guy, real good hitter, eh? We're going to stop him from pitching. He's not a pitcher anymore. I'm telling you right now, what Otani's doing is significantly more impactful, more impressive, and more godly than anything Babe Ruth did. And now in the early, you know, in the mid-teens and early 20s when Babe Ruth was playing in the late 20s as well, he – um. Pitchers didn't wait five days. No rotation had five guys in it. You know, they would bury guys' arms into the ground a little bit more than they do now. So, I don't know. I just, I hate, I hate the Babe Ruth comparison, really, because he's so much better than Babe Ruth was. And Babe Ruth hit lots of home runs. And I know people say the pitchers he were facing against were plumbers in the offseason or teachers or, you know, garbage men or uh, construction workers, that's that's all fine and dandy. That's the times. That's like ripping on Gretzky because when he played, the goalies were wearing newspapers for pads, right? Like, you know, Connor McDavid's doing what he's doing against goaltenders like Hallebuck and uh, Shesterkin and Vasilevsky. Like, uh, Gretzky didn't play any goalies like that until the mid-'90s when things started to fall off for him. You know, when Broder started coming to the mix and Wah and guys like that. Um, But still, hitting 700 home runs, there's a reason other guys didn't do it, right? Um, Yo, we got Foster in the chat. Fucking Foster. Vinny, Travis, Shorty, Skoke, Skyler, hope everyone is good. Uh, Foster, I hope you're good, man. I hope you're doing good. That's who I want to be doing good is fucking Foster. Sending me tweets every single day telling me how much you hate my guts because I make you like sports. Why does that make why does that make you hate me, Foster? That should make you love me. God, I'm happy about sports existing. Man. You wouldn't catch me. You wouldn't catch me saying that, Foster. Um Mr. Shorty says, How did he hurt his foot last night? Who we talking about? Um, we talking about Mancata. That's the only player. It's the only player I can think of that hurt their foot in the last couple couple days. I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, the, back to the Dodgers. I got off on a tangent about Otani. Um, Foster says, no hate ever, never take me. So- oh, I know, Foster. That's why I said it. If I thought you actually hated me, I'd block you. No, I'm just kidding. I take nothing seriously. Nothing. Um, can't take me seriously either. I come on here and say that I hope the Cubs go zero and one hundred and sixty-two every day. Like I I crack jokes, I'm a jokester myself. Um, But yeah, the Arizona Diamondbacks and San Diego Padres have been have been you know mediocre to start. Um, I'm not expecting a lot from Arizona this season, but I'm expecting them to be slightly improved. But the Padres, man, I picked them to win the World Series on this show. One week ago today, I picked them to win the World Series. And Juan Soto, MVP of the National League. They better giddy up. None of this three and three crap. What are you? The White Sox? What are you, the Cubs? Get out of here, Padres. Be better. And then the Giants are going to be three and three right now. They just ended the game. The Chicago White Sox lose by a final score of 16 to 6. Have you ever seen a team score six runs and lose by 10? Fuck. That's that's so stupid. I hate the White Sox. Um, and then Colorado's in last place, two and four. They're going to have problems this year, right? Like, they, I, I, one of the most dumbfounded I've ever been in my entire life was when I found out that Chris Bryant is a Colorado Rocky. <clears throat> I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, wow. Not only are the Padres or the Rockies a bunch of dummies, but Chris Bryant is too. What are you doing? Signing with the Rockies, Chris. You think they have a chance to compete anytime soon? You look at that organization and you think they have a chance to compete within the next two to three years, Chris? I would understand sitting out a year or two from the postseason knowing that like good things are coming. Similar to like Dansby Swanson. You know, He's not expecting the Cubs to do much this year, probably not next year, but the year after, you're not expecting that from the Rockies. They suck. I couldn't believe that... The uh, Bryant's decided to go to Colorado. And I know he's from Vegas, but like sign with a different team that's close to Vegas. I don't know. I, I hated that move. And I, I just couldn't believe that that was the case. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I don't think the Rockies are going to be that good. And another thing with the Rockies, they traded, and people are going to be mad at me for saying this. Nolan Arenado is the most talented player. In the history of the Colorado Rockies. And they let him walk to... The, they traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals for a bag of baseballs, a can of um, Skull Redmond, and a freaking Hot Pocket? Are you kidding me? And then you go and sign Chris Bryant. Why didn't you just keep Nolan Arenado? It makes no sense it boils my blood that a player like nolan arenado who was taken out of what should be a great great baseball market in the colorado rockies and they just sent away a generational talent elite hitter elite everything and i just couldn't believe that that was the case i mean absolutely unreal um just horrible horrible stuff um, but yeah, and then you move over to the National League West or the National League Central, excuse me, <clears throat> and you have the St. Louis Cardinals, the Chicago Cubs, the Milwaukee Brewers, Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Cincinnati Reds. I'm not sure that that division is all that, but... I don't know. I I don't know what to make of it. The Brew Crew had a decent start. They obviously lost on opening day. Corbin Burns did not look um, like himself in that first start, but they had a good series against the Mets to follow up as well. And the Brew Crew is pretty good. Um, The Cardinals, they'll they'll be be around. They'll be knocking on people's windows all year long and annoying the crap out of them. Um, And then... The Cubs, I don't know what to make of the Cubs. What are they? Three and four. I think they're three and four and they just, they are an interesting team. They're a team that either could make the playoffs. They could, you know, kind of hover around 500 all year long, which is kind of what I'm leaning towards. Um, Joe Mandel says, Jordan Walker is the real deal, Vinny. Yes. He absolutely isn't. Skyler's pissed that he has to deal with him on the cards. Um, yeah, that really sucks. Um, what's the other guy that got suspended for a game by his coach for not hustling towards home? What a joke that whole story was. Just an absolute joke of a story. I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I think the Brew Crew, they're going to be better than people think. The Cardinals might be a tad bit worse than people think. But I still think one of them, two probably wins the division and then they get smoked in the playoffs by either, you know, the Dodgers or whatever team's a wildcard team that they face in that early round that they added. Um, Trying to see here. A. The the Cubs are going to be in it all year, though. And Skyler says Corbin Burns just has a hard time against the Cubs for whatever reason. Isn't that bizarre? That's honestly bizarre. And it's something that I think every player has that team, whether it be a hitter, whether it be a team, whether it be, you know, anything. The Calgary Flames went 0-3, 0-2-1 against the Blackhawks this year. That's going to cost them a playoff spot possibly. But I don't know. I don't love all the moves the Cubs made during the offseason. I love Dansby. Dansby's a great player. And, yeah, he waited until his – Contract year to um go off the way he did with Atlanta, and I I don't know I I I don't know if I agree with those people because Dansby Swanson was still a really good player with the Atlanta Braves earlier in his career and he just really went off and it happened to be his contract year I, I honestly think he's going to do a lot similar to what he did last year and if you want to say that he'll regress a tad. I, I could kind of get down with that. I just don't think it's going to be so much where that it's like, you know, just so, so bad that people like poo poo him or the contract or Jed Hoyer or anyone who was in charge of bringing him in for that. So um Skyler says interesting offense, but our pitching is mediocre. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, fucking Foster says Vinny been saying that for 50 years. I don't know what to make of the, cubs um in 2014 when the cubs were in the second half of that season and they really really um kind of got hot towards the end but they came up short of the playoffs i think they ended up coming in third place in the nl uh, central that is a time where i was like okay this cubs team is absolutely you know, on the rise. And then 2015 comes around and they refuse to call up Chris Bryant out of camp. Chris Bryant's going to triple A. What? Why? Why is Chris Bryant going to triple A? Oh, they're trying to manipulate his service time. Yeah. People in Chicago were learning all about service time because none of our teams actually were, you know, diligent or anything like that. Um, Mr. Shorty says Dylan Cease allow a bunch of those. Dylan Cease gave up one home run, and that was his the one hit he gave up. So you chill on your Dylan Cease hate there, mister. Um, If you're going to hate on Dylan Cease, bring facts to the firehouse, Mr. Shorty. Um, No, I'm just totally kidding. He did only give up one home run. It was a solo shot. It was the only hit he gave up. And then after the game, we found out he was sick. So he was sick, and he gave up one run on one hit through five. Okay, Dylan Cease is the best pitcher in the league. Yeah, you should be pissed the Cubs traded him. Everyone's mad that the Cubs gave up Eloy. I'm like, yeah, when Eloy's healthy, he's a bomber. But he's hardly ever healthy. So, like, let's talk about Dylan Cease here. Um, He could win the Cy Young. Honestly, through two starts, I would say. he's. I know it's early April, blah, blah, blah. Feed me the blah, blah, blah. Um, He's the early leading candidate for the Cy Young Award, I think, in the American League. Can you think of someone who's off to a better start? No, you can't. Um, I don't know. Dylan C is amazing. Uh, what were we talking about right before? Oh, was it the Cubs and what we think of them? Oh, Foster said he. Uh, I was going through my history of the Cubs. In 2015, I was like, they, I couldn't believe they kept Chris Bryant down. Um, they, they, uh, they overperformed. I think in 2015. Sky says I think 2014 was a bad team, but the last month or two, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was saying. Just towards the end of the season, they were so hot, and they, like, caught fire. And you're like, okay, this team's going to be pretty good next year. And then in 2015, they were good. I mean, there's no doubt. And they were, like, one of those teams, like, if they get hot, they could win this division. They ended up coming in second for the division because 98 games wasn't good enough to win it. The Cardinals won 100. I Maybe they won 97. Did the Cubs have to go to Pittsburgh for the wild card game? I think they went to Pittsburgh for the wild card game, and Kyle Schwarber hit a bomb off of Garrett Cole, and the Cubs ended up beating the Pirates and advancing to the second round. They beat the Cardinals, then they lost to the Mets in the NLCS, and then the following year that team's coming in, and when they're entering, when they're entering, uh, you know, 2016, and you're like, man, this these guys were. These guys were so good at the end of 2014. They carried it into 2015. They made their deep playoff run. They got playoff experience, and now they're going to start bringing in some solid vets to you know kind of add to the core a little bit. And they did, and they ended up winning the whole thing. So I think that was the one time. The end of the 2014 season was the one time in my life where I was like on the opposite end of fucking Foster, and I said to myself. I actually do know what the Cubs are doing. So I don't know. Sky says I've never mad about the Eloy trade, was always upset about the Cease part. I mean, if Eloy was healthy, he would be the highlight of the trade. And that's saying something because Cease is an ace. But I do think Eloy has 50-bomb potential. He's just never going to show it because he's always hurt. And you didn't know when they traded him that they were going to add a National League D.H., and they probably would have kept him and Schwarber. But, you know, the whole COVID thing happened. They liked um, they liked what they had in Schwarber after, you know, winning the World Series in 2016. And I think still to this day, if you ask Theo Epstein, what's your favorite draft pick you ever made, he would say Kyle Schwarber. And they ended up letting him go too. And Jock Peterson came in and played left field for them. <laughs> um Couldn't believe it. But, you know, it is what it is. The Cubs ended up. With nothing, um, what, I saw someone say something about Epstein finally drafted a freaking pitcher and then traded him. Um, well, first of all, the Cubs they don't develop pitching at all, and they get no credit for Cease. I'm I'm sorry, the White Sox get credit for developing Cease. He was a raw, talented player when they got him. Now, if the Cubs can develop Wisniewski, or however you say his name is, or you know one of those other guys that they got for, Killian. One of those other guys they got from, you know, the Yankees or whoever it was during the the trade deadline last year, the year before, Killian, I think it was the Rizzo trade. Um, they'll get credit for developing those guys if they do. I don't know why the Cubs can't develop pitching. They probably would have won three World Series had they been able to. Because if you look at their if you look at their uh their World Series roster, I'm like John Lester signed in free agency. Are developed superstar by then. Um, uh, Jake Arietta, he was the throw-in in a trade with the Baltimore Orioles. He couldn't, he couldn't pitch in the MLB if his life depended on it. With the Orioles, he was back and forth with AAA and whatnot. He kind of stunk. Um, you got Lackey. You know where he came from. I'm drawing a blank on who else was there with the club making starts for them. But, you know, it was, oh, Kyle Hendricks, of course, acquired in trade from the Texas Rangers. Just nobody that they were able to personally develop themselves. So, uh, Skoke says Kevin Alcantara. Yeah, I hope they're able to develop Kevin Alcantara or Alcantara, however you pronounce his last name. Um, but Mr. Shorty says that's why the Dylan Cease trade to the White Sox pissed me off. Yeah, I mean. I'm not going to lie. I was way more excited about Eloy. And I still am excited about what Eloy can do if he's ever on the field for a long period of time. But Dylan Cease has become even better than I thought he would. I thought he'd be like a solid number two, number three, middle of the rotation guy behind, you know, Giolito. And then at the time, Carlos Rodon was starting to really come along. And then he got hurt. And then when he came back, I'm like, okay, the White Sox got all these guys. They signed Dallas Keuchel who ended up sucking, but when at the time of the signing he didn't suck, like, let's make no mistake here, just because we don't like a guy doesn't mean he wasn't good, uh, you know, for a while there. Um, yeah, and Mr. Shorty, they traded Eloy and Cease for a bag of cat shit. Was Quintana really that bad for the Cubs, though, or was he just bad because of the trade, who he was traded for? Um, I, I honestly think it's the latter. He was bad because who he was traded for. If they would have given up far less to get Quintana, Cubs fans would have loved him. They wouldn't have gotten so pissed when he hurt his finger playing with his suds and his dishwasher or whatever. Um, that was one of the worst trades I've ever seen. It was, there's no doubt it was, but like, I don't know. I I understand, and I'll listen on my South Hitman show when I'm in full White Sox mode. I'll poo-poo on the Cubs, any, but on this show, I try to be a little bit more objective. Um, I understand what the Cubs were doing. I do. What did they need Dylan Cease or Eloy Jimenez for in 2017? Like, what did they need? Eloy didn't make it to the MLB till he was till 2019, and the Cubs didn't even make the playoffs that year. And Dylan Cease didn't make it till 2019 either, halfway through. And he really was a mediocre, still-developing starting pitcher until last year when he came in second for the Cy Young. He was okay in 19. He was okay in in 20. He was okay in 21. And he was elite in 22. How would that have helped the Cubs' World Series championship core at all? It wouldn't. And so they traded for Quintana, who was in the middle of his prime coming off an all-star season with the White Sox. He lefty. Um, all of those things, all of those things, um, are the reason why the Cubs did it. Skyler says he wasn't White Sox Quintana after the trade. No, he wasn't. But I also, I, I think there was a little more pressure. He never played in a White Sox playoff atmosphere. You know, the team isn't what they are now then, um, or even what they were in 2021, like when they were really good. They they just weren't that with Quintana, so we never really knew what it was like to watch him play in these high pressured situations. But I don't know. I just I understand. Listen, it's a bad trade. There's make no mistake about it. I'm not saying it's a good trade. I just understand what they were doing back then. And you know, Shorty says if the Cubs kept that farm team, they'd still be contending. <sighs> Maybe, but like, would Baez not still be swinging at sliders for Detroit? Would Rizzo not be a Yankee? I I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I like necessarily agree with that. Theo Epstein was gone no matter what. He left with a year on his contract. They, you don't even know, you don't even know if they would have developed Dylan Cease the way that the White Sox did. The White Sox suck. Okay. They're, they're a bad organization, but they're really good at developing pitching. That's just a fact. Look at their recent history of prospects, and they've developed them all. Are they bad at developing hitting and, you know, making sure – I mean, Yohan is off to a good start, but, like, are they good at keeping people healthy and, you know, keeping batters accountable and producing offense? No, they're not. Unless you play first base, you end up being a crappy hitter for the White Sox because you go from Frank Thomas to Paul Conurco to Jose Abreu to Andrew Vaughn, four outstanding first baseman hitters. But like outside of pitching, the White Sox don't do anything well. But they do that pitching. Uh, maybe Dylan C's had the tools when he was with the Cubs. But I've also I've heard a Dylan C's interview that a lot of things changed for him when the White Sox got their hands on him. And according, and listen, this might just be an example of a player talking nicely about his current team. But he claims that the White Sox do something differently with their pitchers that other teams don't do. Um, people are going, oh, steroids? Eh, maybe, hopefully um just kidding I don't know I just I think the whole debate thing it's kind of water under the bridge now because Dylan Cease is so good and you know what it reminds me of a lot of people got and I was not you watch Bardown talking hockey every Wednesday you know I hated Stan Bowman he was a terrible GM for almost his entire career and everything that the Hawks won under his management were things put together by Dale Talon who was the GM, and then he got fired because of non-hockey-related things. Um, one thing I did get from him, he traded for Andrew Ladd in 2016. He tried to get Ladd back, and he gave up some nice pieces to get Andrew Ladd. <coughs> and, like, well, it didn't end up working off of them. They lost to the Blues in the first round, and Ladd wasn't all that great for them in his second stint. But, like, I – I – I understood the logic of the trade. They're like, we got Taves and Kane in the middle, at t- middle end of their prime. Marion Hosa's on his last Like Patrick Sharp is still scoring. We're going for it again. Didn't work out. Sometimes things go out. I don't work out. I honestly respect teams that go for it sometimes. Cause I'd love to see my team go for it sometime, you know, in every sport, but Mr. Shorty, you're probably going to think I'm just disagreeing with every comment you make, but to say, Theo Epstein is overrated. He sold the cold so Cubs sold to get it. It still sucks. The desperation was what finally got them a world series. Theo Epstein is not. I mean, he's the youngest GM ever. He won. He broke the 80 something year old curse with the Boston Red Sox. And he broke a hundred something year old curse with the Cubs. And then the Red Sox were set up for a couple more championships after he left. And the Cubs, Theo traded their core, or Jed traded their core. Theo was gone, and it wasn't his idea. Like they, they messed up Kyle Schwarber and bringing in Jock instead. Like I don't know, I, I can't get down with calling Theo Epstein overrated. I would, I would cut off my pinky to make him the pr- president of the White Sox right now. I, I would fire. I would personally. I would personally drive to guaranteed field rate guaranteed rate field right now put rick hahn and kenny williams in my car drive them to the airport and wave then drive to new york or wherever the hdo epstein is and pick him up and drive him back to chicago myself and i'd stop to get him a cheeseburger on the way and you know every team gives up farm system to win it all look at what the dot the padres gave up to get juan soto and look at what the Dodgers gave up to get, you know, Scherzer when they did, and Trey Turner, and all some of these things. Only one team wins the World Series. Like you, so, some teams just go for it. and They use their resources, and Theo was the best at doing that. Um, if there was a Cubs prospect to trade that was near the top of their system, it was Eloy. I do agree with Skyler on that front because you had Kyle Schwarber in left, you had Ian Happ, and um, at the time um I'm drawing a blank on his name. Albert Almora. They were duking it out in center field. And then in right field, you had Jason Hayward signed for a billion dollars. And people will poo poo Theo and Jed for the Jason Hayward contract. But guess what? Do they win the World Series without him? I don't know. I wouldn't mess up anything that went into the formula in 2016. And I believe in selling your soul for one championship because let's look back in time. How many teams have won multiple championships in any sport? in the last 15 to 20 years there's a handful the pittsburgh penguins because they won the lottery and got Sidney crosby and a year before that we're lucky that the capitals took alex ovechkin first overall and they ended up with evgeny malkin as a nice little consolation prize they got lucky tampa bay really smart with their drafting they have two cups um chicago they got really not lucky with their drafting a couple cups couple teams in hockey The Giants and baseball and the Red Sox, those are the two teams with two championships. The Astros finally got a second-round pick or got a second World Series. It took them five years after competing for it. The Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. I mean, winning multiple championships in any sport is so hard. Who's won two Super Bowls besides Tom Brady? And, like, you can say the Patriots won six in 20. but Tom Brady going to the bad Tampa Bay Buccaneers and magically winning a world series with them kind of shows me that it was all Tom Brady and so much less of the Patriots. I know the Patriots had something to do with it, but damn, it's so hard to win the whole thing. And Theo got it done for the Cubs. He got it. He got it done. And you know, we'll see. I don't know who, I don't know who, uh, who else in the playoffs or who else in the league is going to end up being a Theo Epstein draft pick pitcher for the Cubs? But we will see. It's definitely not just Dylan Cease. Um, Torres, handful of Yankees records after they handed him for a rental closer. You mean that rental closer, who, despite all his off off the field stuff, he's an a hole. We all hate him off the field. Other than when Joe Madden ruined him in the World Series. When Aroldis Chapman, in his prime, entered the game with the lead, it was over. No matter what. When did, uh, other than the Raji Davis home run in Game 7, when Aroldis Chapman had no business being in the game at all whatsoever, when did Aroldis Chapman ruin a game for the Cubs? They don't win the World Series without trading for him. You need a dominant closer in order to win Major League Baseball games. Those last three outs are pivotal. Pivotal. And if Joe Madden wouldn't have used Araldis Chapman one game too much in the World Series and used somebody else, chances are the, the extra innings rain delay crap doesn't even ever happen. They would have won in regulation. Raji Davis would have never hit the bomb. I stand by that. When he came in the game, it was over. And I don't know. Glaber Torres is a good player, but like this year, he's off to a good start, and people are acting like he's the second. He's the second coming of Jesus, and. You know, he's been very mediocre the last couple seasons. Now, I'd like to have Gleyber Torres as the White Sox second baseman, if I am absolutely being honest with you. He's a great player. There's no doubt. And they gave up Jorge Soler for Wade Davis a a year later. Wade Davis wasn't the closer the Cubs were hoping he'd be, but he was still a competent closer that they were okay with in 2017. And Jorge Soler, yeah, he hits moon bombs. Like, he's not that good of a player. He's not someone I'm crying over not having if I'm a Cubs fan. Um yeah, I don't know. And Shorty says trying to fire up cap with my rhetoric. I think cap might have bailed on us, guys. And that has happened to me a couple times here on the barroom network. It's actually the only times I could think of it happening was when Sean Burke stood me up. Um and then cap today and, you know, Cap will do what Cap does. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but a misunderstanding on time. He's usually great about keeping arrangements with us. Um, yeah, and we'll force him to commit with us next week. And I do believe Twins Ted is going to join us next week because the White Sox are going to be coming off a series with the Minnesota Twins. But uh, Shorty says Solar forgot about that shitty trade too. Solar sucks, Shorty. He hit a couple moon bombs in the World Series with the Braves in 2021. Big deal. The Braves had to trade for him from the Royals. And the only reason they traded for him from the Royals was because they reorganized their entire outfield at the trade deadline that season. They traded for Jock from the Cubs. And they traded for Soler from the Royals. And then there's one other guy that they traded for. I'm drawing a blank on who it was. Who was the third outfielder that that the – I can't remember who it was. It was someone who has a similar name on the guard. I don't remember. Who cares? Um, Braves won the World Series in 2021. Not a big deal. Um, But I honestly think that's where we're going to kill it. Um, Taking my fire cap up out on you now. Love it. Yeah, take it out on me. I can take it. I'm not even a Cubs fan, Shorty. And here I am defending. What kind of asshole am I out here defending Theo Epstein and all the moves he made to win them a World Series in 2016. This show has changed me. I need to get back to South Burbs Hitmen where I talk nicely about the White Sox and talk shit about everybody else. That's where I thrive. Here I am talking all tummy sticks with the Cubs' former brass. Yuck. I'm going to go write a mean tweet about the Cubs right after this show ends. I have to after I get all this stink off me. I'm just kidding. Um, I actually – I've enjoyed what the Cubs are doing. And they make the White Sox look dumb, and I hope that continues. Uh, The White Sox win a lot of games in spite sometimes of the poor decisions that they've made, but at least the Cubs in the last couple years have handed out a um, $100 million contract. The White Sox have never done that. The highest paid player in the history of the team is Andrew Benny Buttcheeks, who has been off to a terrible start. With the White Sox. Just an absolutely brutal addition so far. Hopefully he makes me eat my words. Um, Skyler says Solaire was an exciting band-aid for a while. He was a young prospect that I actually thought was going to become like this great outfielder for them. But he, he didn't prove his worth in 20. I mean, let's look at the Cubs in 2016 and then we'll kill the show. At third base, you had Chris. At second, you had that complete doucher, or no. I'm at second, at short you had Javi. You had Javi. And then at second, you had that complete doucher, Addison Russell. And then every now and then you'd mix in what's his name? The kid the guy with the wife who sang his song and then they got divorced, mess, messy, messy, messy situation. Zobrist, Ben Zobrist. And then Tony at first. You know the pitching staff, and then the catchers were David Ross, Miguel Montoya, getting pissed off that they played Wilson Contreras more often. Those were the three on the roster at any given point. And I'm pretty sure they cut Miguel Montero at some point because he was being a crybaby about letting the young kid who's better than him play. Just an absolute crybaby of a player Miguel Montoya was. Um, then in the outfield, you had Schwarber in left. But no, Schwarber missed the entire season in 2016 he didn't come back to the world series so who was the left fielder and then in center you had some albert almora jr action oh no 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 dexter fowler was the center fielder that's what i'm messing up and then you had you know what's his name jason hayward in right field there's that's a nice mix of veterans and young players who were all coming together at the same time and, you know, there just wasn't much room for Soler on that team. Did he play? He probably got some innings in left field, though, right? Um, I don't know. I thought Soler was going to be better than he was. And he's still okay. Like, uh, you need a home run, have him pinch hit. Or, you know, he's playing with the Marlins, I think, now, I believe, is the team he plays for. And, you know, the Marlins, they added Luis Arise, and they have Jazz Chisholm Jr., uh, Alcantara is their ace that's a nice thing they're building down there in Miami. And they were forced to rebuild when Jose Fernandez passed away with the boating accident. Um, They traded Yelich to the brew crew and D Gordon to the Mariners and Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees. You know, sometimes stuff like that happens. You take advantage of when you're good enough to win, when you have the opportunity in front of you. And that is what the Cubs did. And, Man, I'll be damned if the White Sox ever do it. They got lucky in 2005. Not lucky. They were great. But, like, they didn't make any of these crazy trade deadline acquisitions where you're like, okay, now this White Sox team is ready to cook with gas, man. They traded for Jeff Blum, who, like, hit an extra innings home run in the World Series. They brought in A.J. Pierzynski before the season started. You know, that team was just in a true example of a team coming together and getting hot in the playoffs. The Cubs, they went for it. And I think you're much more likely to win when you try to win. And I know that sounds redundant, but it, it it's not the logic that all teams in baseball use. So that's where I will end today's show. David Kaplan owes me one. Um, I've been talking by myself to myself with help from the chat for about an hour, and I've had very much fun doing it. This was a fun time. And I hope everybody enjoyed being a part of this conversation and I hope everybody resumes the conversation with me next Thursday when maybe we'll have cap. We will have twins Ted, I'm almost positive. Um, you know, I like having guests on this show as well as talking to you guys. Um, and then tomorrow you might've noticed on this wonderful network that the great Aldo Gandia created called the Barroom network. There was no bar down talking hockey. If you're getting your hockey fix, you need your hockey fix. Uh, the playoffs playoffs they start in eight days eight days until the national hockey league postseason is underway and is it eight days i'm so dumb very very dumb human being me this guy um but i know most teams have three four five games at the most left the devils have four including one tonight and um frank and i are very excited to talk about all the races coming down to the wire the bruins clinched the president's trophy are the devil's going to win the metropolitan division are they going to come in second and host the rangers in the first round lots and lots of great things to be determined except we have a very special guest and this one i'm actually very confident will show up because i have his phone number and i'll just call him and say hey mother it's bobby ryan Bobby Ryan is a former National Hockey League player that has dealt with all sorts of crazy things throughout his NHL career. He was the number two pick in the 2005 NHL draft. Who went number one that year? Sidney Crosby. So it went Crosby, Ryan, uh, to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, they were called at the time. And he ended up becoming a part of a great team there. Uh, It kind of sucks. He made his NHL debut in 2007-08. They were the defending Stanley Cup champions. But you know what? He got to play with some absolute dogs over there in Anaheim. He was on a line with Getzlaff and Perry for I don't know how long. And then he ended up in Ottawa where he was a really good player. Closed out his career with Detroit. I'm so excited tomorrow to ask him about playing for the uh, Anaheim Ducks. I'm going to ask him what it's like to be a teammate with Ryan Whitney. I'm super excited to do that too. Um, there are all sorts of great questions Frank and I are going to get to ask him, and we hope you tune in special bar down talking hockey time Friday, 2 PM. Very much looking forward to it. I hope everybody in the chat has a very good weekend. Make sure you watch the game on Saturday between the devils and the Bruins. Um, oh yeah. We'll be recapping the frozen four. On the show tomorrow, too, as well. Tonight, Luke Hughes and Michigan take on Quinnipiac, and then Logan Cooley and Minnesota take on Blackhawks prospect. I know Skokes is watching somewhere. Drew Camesso and the Boston University Terriers. Very much looking forward to that game as well. We'll be recapping it all on the show tomorrow in the second period, so I'm very much looking forward to some college hockey. Uh, if Michigan loses, Luke Hughes could be a devil by tomorrow. I don't know what I'm rooting for in that situation but I'm rooting for something and I can't wait to see each and every one of you later on, on the bar room network. As always, thank you for listening.